Hello again. Welcome back to Undressing the Issue. I'm Julia, and this is my podcast where I talk about all things having to do with relationships, sexuality, intimacy, trauma, and so forth. So I wanted to touch on a subject that I think is important at this time because we've been seeing it so much on the news, on social media, and the topic is anger. So, uh, anger. Anger is a big one. I'm sure you see people who are angry because of the way others have been treated. People who are angry at how others are reacting to the maltreatment of certain people. People are angry with the protests. People are angry at police officers. People are angry at the riots, the Black Lives Matter movement. There's a lot of anger and it's directed all over the place to everybody. It's not necessarily the most productive conversation at this time. It's a lot of anger. And anger is a really interesting thing. Now, I think it's important because in my practice with my clients, I would say anger is probably one of the most common emotions that I see. I see it every single day in almost every single session I run. And it's one of those things that for some people is really off-putting. It makes people feel uncomfortable, makes them feel unsafe. But I actually think anger is really useful and informative. And I look at it a little bit differently, and I'm hoping that in sharing that with you that I can give you some perspective and maybe even offer a reframe for those of you who do have feelings of anger. And my hope is that the reframe will help you to maybe target your energy in a more effective, productive way for you to get your point across, to be heard and to feel validated. So basically my reason for talking about this now is because of the tension, the current state of affairs, what's going on in the world. Um, there's, there's a lot of hatred, there's a lot of tension, and a lot of people have really valid points and these points should be heard and should be considered and they're worthy of that. But I do think that some of the value in the messages is getting lost in the delivery. So that is why I wanted to talk about anger today. So don't piss me off. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So what is anger? So I talk to my clients a lot about how anger is a secondary emotion. It's the tip of the iceberg. It's what is visible on the surface and Pardon the pitter-patter of tiny paws in the background. My cat has the zoomies at the moment. Anywho, if you hear her, I apologize. Um, So anger is a secondary emotion, meaning the primary emotion is on the surface. And for whatever reason, it's not an emotion that people feel comfortable just outwardly expressing. And... The main primary emotions that 
drive anger, what's underneath the surface that comes out as anger is usually either fear or pain or some combination of these two or some version of these two, but really it's fear and or pain. Fear and pain are primary emotions. That is at the core. Joy is also a primary emotion, but most of the time when people feel joy, they don't lash out and get heated. So let's look at fear and pain. So I'm, I'm gonna give you guys some examples because I feel like it's easier to understand with concrete examples. So part of the reason why people will express fear or pain as anger is partially because it's, well, in large part, it's much more socially acceptable to express anger than it is fear. Expressing fear is also being vulnerable. To say, I'm scared, is it's got a lot of connotation there. It's, it's vulnerable, it can be perceived as weak, it can be perceived as needing help, being helpless, it can be perceived all sorts of ways, and our society has basically trained us to believe that being vulnerable in that way is going to expose you to risk of being hurt or being criticized or whatever else. So it's much more appropriate to say, I'm angry. And pain is the same way, to say, I'm hurt. It's admitting that somebody else has had the ability to affect us, whether we're proud of the way we were affected or not, but we weren't strong enough to be able to thwart their attempt to get into our psyche and cause an injury. So this can come in different ways, right? So we can be fearful of being hurt, being abandoned, there's that combination, fear of being hurt, that's fear and pain, being abandoned, being rejected, being ostracized, being embarrassed. Um, we can go through pain, the pain of being also rejected, abandoned, all those fun things, but also being left out, being criticized, of losing something, of having a sense of grief. This is all part of pain. So what's interesting is when we express anger, there isn't the same level of vulnerability. So I'll give you an example. Imagine you are a fly on the wall and there's a group of young men, let's say, mid to late to 20s to early 30s, and they're on a guy's night out. They're sitting at a bar. They're ordering some drinks, okay? And they're just kind of talking about what's going on in their lives as guys do, people do in general. Okay. So what do you think sounds more likely to happen? That one of the guys turns to their friends and says, you know, I've really been feeling scared that my girlfriend is pulling away from me and, you know, I'm really scared of losing her and I, I just don't know what's going on and I feel so distant from her and I miss her and it just, I don't know, it just, I feel, 
like I'm kind of sad and I, I'm I, I'm hurting. My, I'm kind of heartbroken. I feel like, you know, she's kind of losing some love for me. No, probably not. But what you're more likely to hear is, I'm trying to put this into words <laughs> without sounding too chauvinistic, but something along the lines of like, dude, <laughs> I don't know what the fuck's going on, but this is some bullshit. And I, if I just, if I feel like I can't spend time with her as much as I need to, like she's got to hit the road. It's this resentment. It's wanting to take action. It's judgmental. It's exclusionary. There isn't that same level of vulnerability and softness. And it comes with anger. So anger, the reason why it's more socially acceptable is because it has a certain level of righteousness. When somebody hurts my feelings, right? Let's say somebody walked up to me and said, you're a fat cow. Okay, my feelings are going to be hurt. But if I was to turn back to them and go, hey, man, what the hell? Who the hell are you? You're so rude. Where do you get off? Right now, I'm taking a blaming stance. And with that blaming stance, I'm basically taking a position of entitlement. You owe me an apology. Where do you where do you get off? Right? Versus me saying, you know, that really hurts my feelings. And it really touches on some of my body image issues. And I really take that to heart. <laughs> it's just not what we're accustomed to doing. It's not how we're used to handling things. And it's a certain level of vulnerability that we are not taught to use. Is it actually how I feel? Yeah, probably I'd feel that way. You hurt my feelings. It's hurtful. Um, maybe I do have some body image issues. And saying I'm a fat cow brings all of them up and makes me want to run home and listen to Adele and eat low-fat ice cream. There you go. So regardless, it has this level of righteousness. It, it allows somebody to take a blaming stance and to point a finger and say, you did unto me. And now you owe me some type of apology, restitution. I expect you to take a one-down position. I expect you to admit that you wronged me. It's entitlement. I expect. So anger is protective in that way because it puts us in a position of power. But it comes from us feeling disempowered or hurt in some way. It's almost like compensating. It's compensating for that sense of feeling smaller than by putting yourself in a bigger than position, okay? Now, anger also serves a very different purpose. So everything we do, and maybe this is just my belief, but I'm a firm believer that all of our behaviors, all of our actions, all serve a purpose. That we are not just on autopilot, you know, flying by the seat of our pants, doing things for absolutely no reason. I do believe that there's a reason for every single thing we do, even if we're not immediately aware of that reason. So anger 
does do something for us. When we get angry at somebody, we create a distance. We make it uncomfortable for them to be close to us, to move in towards us. We essentially create space. We push them away a little bit. I'll give you another example. So I, I'll give you a personal example. I was at a grocery store. This was a few years ago. And there was this woman in line ahead of me at the checkout counter who was just on one, like zero chill. She was coming in hot, pissed off, and she was going off on everybody and their mother. She was yelling at the, there was a young girl. She looked like she couldn't have been older than 17, but she was working behind the cash register. There was the bagger. She was yelling at everybody, snapping at everybody, being super rude, raising her voice. And people around me were seeing this and were kind of whispering to themselves about it. They were judging her. My God, she's so rude. What a bitch. But if you press pause on this, as if you were watching a movie, what you see, even in people's nonverbals in their body language, is they, they kind of lean away from this. They take some space. It feels uncomfortable. They're put off. They don't feel completely safe. So they start kind of leaning away. In some cases, they'll push back a little, but nobody's moving in towards her and going, oh, honey, please let me give you a hug. You look like you're having a bad day. No, nobody's doing that because they're worried that she's going to come swinging at their face. So they step back. It is. It feels hostile. It feels dangerous. And anger does serve that purpose. When we get mad at somebody and we express that anger, we raise our voice or we take some type of accusatory stance, we're also creating distance between ourselves and them. Now, that distance is actually the reason we do this. We're needing some, some safety, some space, some distance for a reason. If we feel fearful that we're going to be hurt or that we're going to be wronged in some way, we're probably going to try to take protective measures, right? It is self-preservation. It is instinctual for us. We are, after all, part of the animal kingdom, and it is part of our nature to try to save ourselves. So safety, immediately, if we're feeling uncomfortable, like our safety is in jeopardy, we're going to want to protect ourselves by creating a safe distance between us and something that is a threat. Anger can do that. Now, I stood there watching this woman at the grocery store and all I kept thinking was she really, it's not that she's a bitch. It's not that she doesn't like everybody. It's that she does not feel safe. She does not feel comfortable being vulnerable, patient, allowing others to do for her, help her, you know, provide a service to her. She doesn't trust anybody, nobody. If you asked her, she'll probably say she doesn't like anybody, but really that has got to come from somewhere. Somebody somewhere has really done a number on her and really hurt her, and therefore she's angry. And in being angry, she keeps everybody far enough away from her that nobody can come in close enough to hurt her again. 
So anger does serve a purpose. It creates distance. And that distance can give us a sense of safety. And it's another reason why we go into anger when we're feeling scared or hurt because being scared and hurt is really vulnerable and it can be really unsafe. So let's circle back to everything that you're seeing on the news today, everything that you're seeing on social media, the Black Lives Matter movement, the Black Trans Lives Matter. I see protesters outside my house every single day and I see military guards, literally army, soldiers from the army standing there with assault rifles to make sure that they remain peaceful, to make sure that they don't damage property. It's really tense. It's a really tense scene to see people standing up for what they believe in, for what is right, and exercising their right to have a voice and to speak on things. And then also seeing the military. We're not used to seeing military in the U.S. in Los Angeles standing in full camo gear with assault rifles on a daily basis. That's a little tense. That's heavy. That's uncomfortable. But this anger that we're seeing from protesters who we see get really animated, who will get into some of these police officers' faces from people who are rioting, people who are shouting and getting into people's faces and being abrasive. Going by what I was just talking about in terms of anger creates distance and safety and anger can be protective because we feel vulnerable. If we take away that off-putting feeling of dealing with somebody who's angry and we go beneath the surface, we're no longer looking at the tip of the iceberg, but we're looking at the portion of the iceberg that's underneath the water that you can't see from the surface. And there's, faint, there's pain and there's fear. I was about to say feign. I don't know what that is, but it sounds like a really good combination of fear and pain. But pain and fear. People don't get upset if they don't have a reason to be upset. And the people who are protesting, the people who want to be heard, they are experiencing fear and pain. The police brutality that everybody is now privy to in the case of George Floyd and in the case of so many others elicits fear in those who are similar in the color of their skin and where they live and they have every right to be scared that the same thing could easily happen to them. If it's happening repeatedly and if they're really isn't a thorough enough system of checks and balances to make sure that those in a position of authority are going to be responsible with their authority and use it when needed and not go into any type of unnecessary force when it isn't necessary and they're going to do it simply because they can, people have a right to be scared. That's dangerous. And as far as pain, 
I can understand that too. These are people who have been marginalized, who have been mistreated, who've been discriminated against, who've been given less, less opportunity, less consideration for decades, if not centuries now. And that's hurtful. It's hurtful to be a human being in a society where you are constantly being reminded that you are viewed as less than. That is so hurtful. Even if you are not a person of color, but you've been bullied or you've been, I don't know, singled out, picked on, harassed, that's the feeling, except it's on a huger scale and it's constantly, it is your world. It is the existence in which you live. And that's tremendous. That's not just a little hurt. That is a really heavy, heavy, fearful existence to be in. And so, yes, those primary emotions, fear, pain, that's where all this anger is coming from. It's being expressed as anger because when it has been expressed as fear or as pain, it hasn't been considered. And it's gotten to the point where people who have this fear and who have this pain want to be heard. And they're basically making a request. This is a plea. This is a plea to stop treating them the way that they've been treated for so long to stop hurting them. And it's interesting because people will create so many different arguments because it's such a, I don't know, it's such a litigious society that we're in. Everybody is offended. Everybody gets triggered. And, you know, this argument that Black Lives Matter, but, you know, it's not just Black Lives, Blue Lives Matter too. Hold on, hold on. Nobody's saying that only Black lives matter. Black lives matter just like every other life. But the reason why this is now an issue is because historically speaking, and in recent times in the news, what we see is that Black lives are mattering less, which is why people are calling for awareness that they should matter just as much as everybody else's, as rainbow lives, LGBT people, as women, as blue lives, as everybody else. Everybody's important. And the reality is, yes, there's a lot of anger towards police, but not every police officer is a piece of shit. Are there some? Yes, there's quite a few. I hate to say it, but there's quite a few. There are quite a few people who are in our police forces in this country who abuse their power, who are narcissistic, who are cruel, who are sadistic, who are vengeful. Yes, they're out there. And they have no right to do that. And they should be held accountable for that. Absolutely. But there are some good police officers out there. And those are the people that I'm thankful for. 
But unfortunately, it's really fucking hard to be able to tell the difference. It's really hard to suss that out because the police officers who are corrupt and who are on a power trip don't go around announcing it. So until they step out of line and fuck up, it's really hard to know who's who. On top of that, I also think that this... This is a sensitive subject right now because of what's going on in our country, but I think it's a sensitive subject all the time. Anger is something that comes up in our relationships, in our romantic relationships, our marriages, with our kids, with our families, with our parents. Anger is something that creates tension for everybody. We get angry. It's, it's a reaction. It's, it's a reflex. It happens. There's nothing wrong with it. No judgment. But there's a way to express that. There's a need to express that. You shouldn't be holding on to it and harboring resentment. The only person who's suffering in that case is you. You should hold those accountable who have hurt you or who make you fearful that you're going to be hurt. But there's a way to do that. Peaceful protest, what we see today in the U.S., that is the way to do that. And it does need to happen. And it is making a difference. And I'm glad it is. But in our relationships, sometimes we also have to do a peaceful protest there too. And we have to speak assertively. And assertively is not a bad thing. But we do have to stand up for ourselves and say, you know what? Um, I feel like I'm being hurt by you. I feel like I'm being threatened by you and it's really uncomfortable for me and it makes me angry with you and I need to bring it to your attention. And I do need to see that you can understand and take accountability for how you do that. Because if you can't, I don't feel safe. And that's valid. But we often turn to anger first before communicating that clearly. And we get pissed at somebody and we attack them or we're passive aggressive towards them or we call them names. And now after we've done that, they don't wanna hear a thing we have to say because we just insulted them. So we don't get heard. Dealing with anger and having a clear understanding of it is important in all context, all aspects of our lives, whether it's in our closest relationships, whether it's with ourselves, being angry with ourselves, whether it's being angry with others, or whether it's seeing other people's anger outside of us and having opinions on it and judging it and not really taking a good hard look at it. Or maybe we have taken a look on it, but we've imposed our own biases. So I wanted to use my platform to talk about this a little bit because I think it's relevant and I think that having a different perspective of what anger is can help people see past the off-puttingness of another person's anger to be able to see their pain and their fear and to be able to understand why they have a right to express anger, to feel anger, and what's happened to them. What has happened to them that they are now in this place and see them from that place 
versus as some angry, raving, mad person because chances are them expressing their anger serves a purpose that you're missing because you're getting lost in the anger itself. So I'm hoping this is helpful. I am open to your feedback as always. I hope everybody's remaining healthy and safe during these stressful, tense times. And as always, thank you for listening and I'll catch you next time.